As much as these episodes are about the guests, they are also in a way about myself. For me, these episodes are an exploration of my own fears and questions about what the future may hold for myself. And with each new episode, I try and explore a topic that in some way will inspire others, but they also always seem to inspire me more than anything. This episode, while not about myself, is an episode about one of the few people that actually believed in me from day one. This is Revolui's story of how he became the artist he needed to be to find happiness and how his story inspired me in more ways than I can count. These are the stories that shape art. I'm Jacob Johnson, and this is the My Art is Real podcast, episode 27, Revolui. Right after the break. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon page. This podcast takes a lot of work to create, so if you find any inspiration from it, please consider signing up to our Patreon page to receive bonus episodes and so much more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash myartisrule. Thank you. I'm Revelui. I'm from Brazil, Sao Paulo, one of the biggest cities in the world, very chaotic, and this is where I get uh, my inspiration I'm based here. I travel to trying to get more inspirations from the outside world, but I like to be here and use like the city as the main point for my creation. I'm 36 year old now and painting for like professionally about 20 years. I have become friends with a lot of artists over the many years of curating, but Revolui is by far the artist I have been friends with for the longest, and someone who I not only admire and look up to, but an artist who serves as a significant point in my own origin story. But while I've only been curating for seven years, Revolui has been painting much longer. So come along with me as we go to the chaotic city of Sao Paulo and discover what turned Revolue into the artist he is today. While growing up in Sao Paulo, he was able to see a wide range of different social classes and cultures all within just a few blocks, and it really shaped the way that he viewed life growing up. But I lived in a, in a suburb that my street, I had people who had more money than me or some people who doesn't have much money, so I could work uh in my personality and my behavior by doing this kind of transition you know and it helped me it's also my release you know i I like to talk about luxury and rubbish and when i say rubbish i don't say it in a negative way i just say that we are part of something that we have two sides of it you know like the luxury one and the rubbish one and i think i could make this kind of transitions in a good way you know so I can talk to anyone. I could be on the streets, you know, having fun with my friends without any kind of toy or no or expensive things. And then in the weekend, I was with some friends in a good house or having fun in a different uh, uh, atmosphere. So where I came from, and especially Brazil, Sao Paulo, this is the mix of culture that we see like normally on the streets, you know. And in my suburb, we could see it like very, very clear on the streets. And it helped me a lot, man. While he had friends from all walks of life, he was comfortable with not having much. As long as he could draw them, he was content. 
To have fun, he always had to rely on what he had plenty of, and that was creativity. I had to be create. I had to use my creation and my inspiration to play from what I have. No, so for example, my I, I always was playing with like some pencils, some markers, some crayons around. You know, and that's everything I have at the moment, and I could use it for everything. You know, I was painting all the time, doing some sketches on paper. Doesn't matter if the paper is good or if it was a sketchbook or a nice paper. I was always like drawing around with some, you know, like paper that my grandma used to give me or my father, or my mom. So yeah, I, I, I never cared much about the, the quality, you know? And do you remember uh, at what age you started to kind of make art? Man, I can't, uh, yes. I remember like since I am like two years old or something like that, because I had I used to spend time in my grandma grandmother's house. I was always like asking her and my mom, oh, what should I draw now? You know, oh, draw a dog. After five minutes, oh, what should I draw now? Oh, draw a car. It was all the time I'm asking people for like any kind of you know like subjects or something to draw. And I remember that since I was like very very young, very young, happy when someone came to me and gave some kind of you know like papers with crayons man it was very very like like happy days you know Revolue always seemed older beyond his years and this is a lot due to the fact that he had an older brother who was nine years older than him so he was always hanging out with him and his friends learning what he could I had a I had a bro- I have a brother you know nine years uh, older than me so I think it it pushes me a little bit to to grow and to break my own, you know, because it was different generations. So I had to talk with like my brother's friends and it was totally different conversations, behaviors. So I had to, you know, break my own like kind of uh, feelings to talk and to be around like my family. Was it, was it tough having a brother so much older than you? Mm, yeah, I would say like in my in my case, no, because my brother was a good person, you know. Like, of course, we had this kind of it, nine years is too it's too much, man. Like, it's so different. Like, because when we, I was like learning, you know, how to like write, he already knew it. So he could he was like a second father, but like a close father, you know, like like this brother and father at the same time. So for me, it was a, a good experience. I could know something that I would learn maybe five years later and I already knew it because of my brother so even like for painting he's not a good painter of course he's not a good artist as well he had his lessons you know his art classes and I could know like for example more about tools like new tools new kind of you know inks and mediums that I would know maybe just five six years later so I had this contact you know and it was very very uh, useful for me He would continue to make art as a kid, but wasn't introduced to street art until he was in high school when a friend took him with him to go do some painting. Okay, so can you you tell me exactly when and how you got introduced into street art? When I was 15, maybe kind of when I was in high school, uh, I met these friends, you know, and they were doing these things on streets, uh, doing some stickers and some kind of tagging around city and i met this friend and he said oh can you help me to create my crayon he said 
oh, why don't you just don't go in a store and buy it? He said, no, because I want to make something that would be like in a better quality. So it was totally handmade. So it was a lot of crayons with some kind of bee walks and some kind of like oil. And so I was helping my friend to do something that he was using to treat. So, yeah, I met this street culture, like spray paint, tagging, stickers, all these things we see on the streets when I was like this age, like 15, 16 years old. At first, he would just spend time with these street artist kids getting a feel for the scene. But it didn't take long for him to start getting involved in the art making himself. And soon, the Revolue name was brought to life. Oh, yeah. I start, uh, first, I start to just walk with them, you know, to go out, tag or something, create my own sticker, which was like uh, a fist. And after that, I start to walk with them and, you know, sticking my sticker around with this fist. And then people say, oh, we should create a name, you know, man, because you don't have a name. Oh, that's why I came with Revolui. Uh, Revolui means revolution and evolution. So by this age, you know, like when you are 15, 17, you always want to make this revolution. You want to change the world. You want to make your, you know, like your ideas. You want to put like outside. So I create this Revolui name with this sticker of this fist. It's funny how these names come to us sometimes. Like when you try and sit down and, and figure out a podcast name or a business name and it feels so frustrating, but often the best names just somehow come to you. Much like Revolue simply put two words together that he liked the sound of. I simply put together the name My Art is Real. It's more of a statement. I was making digital art at the time and I felt this feeling of people not respecting digital art the same way as they respected physical art. And so I just had this statement of my art is real. Next thing you know, it just became the name of this brand or whatever it is. Next thing you know, it just kind of stuck. So with his new artist identity forming, he had to start figuring out what exactly he was going to do with it. Think about what do I want to do, you know? What do I, I really want to do? Not things that my brother wants to do or my family wants me to do, you know? What I really want to do. And I start to not break all the rules, you know, but trying to put my mark on, you know, the place I normally used to go. So with that, I start to, I think thing that makes me very, uh, like, very, it changes me. I think it was the Fight Club movie, for real, man. When I first time watched that movie, you know, I didn't feel much about, oh, there is so aggressive, a lot of people fighting. No, I could see deeper. I could see, like, if you not do the things we want to do, uh, we're not going to have a good life, you know? So this movie makes me to be the revolutionary that people knows, like, from a long time. So I create this revolutionary name based on that culture, you know, about do it yourself, trying to put your mark on society. It doesn't have to be in an angry way, you know, into this anarchist way. Of course, I had this little time in Spain into the anarchy things, but of course, we are young, you know, we are like teenagers. We want to make like really good expressive things. But I think in the end, the most of it was like, do what you want to do, you know, like do your, put your mark in society and show what your skills are or what you want to do, you know. 
So while Revolue knew he had to chase his dreams if he was truly going to be happy in life, he had no idea that you could be an artist for a living, so he had to do something to make an income. He followed his father's advice and went into college to become an accountant. Before, before I start thinking about it, my father recommended me to, uh, to study um, accounting things. So I said, okay, let's try. Why not? You know? But it wasn't something that, oh, I really want to do that. At the same time, I didn't know that I could be an artist. That's something that I try to tell people today, you know, like, you can be an artist. Because I didn't have any mind when I was like, you know, like on, on my 20s or on my 18s or whatever. Because I didn't have this feeling, oh, I can be an artist, you know. So I had to do these accounting things, go to university, uh, work in a company, in an accounting company, to know that, look, that's not for me, you know. I respect people who likes it. And there is a lot of artists into this accounting uh, uh, place, but it's not for me. So while he worked at this day job, he would use art as a means to escape, whether he was making his own artworks or writing articles for his very own art blog, which turns out he started when he was a teenager and it was going pretty good and building a name for himself in the Brazilian art community. We didn't talk about views at the time, you know, like we didn't even have like Google Analytics to know like how many views we had. I had, I couldn't know it because people uh, came to me and say, hey, I, I read your blog, you know, I saw your blog. I used to go to galleries and say, hey, I have this blog. So can I report your fare there? Can I show some like pictures and said, oh yeah. So I knew that people into the art scene knew my blog and my and the blog was the Revolui one. So it was Revolui.com. It, it was already my, the, my name. So people start to know about me, about my blog. While he didn't enjoy this day job, he worked as hard as he could to make sure each project he worked on was the best it could be. But he finally hit a breaking point. I had a lot of work, a lot of work to do. I didn't have any time for me, even on Sundays, even on holidays. I was working like full time for real, like never stops, like maybe sometimes leaving job at 10, 11 p.m., getting back at 6 a.m., so after two years, I said, man, that's not for me, man. That's not, that's not for anyone, you know, like that's not fair. That's not real. So I just said, and I had a, a problem there because I used to work so much time and people didn't come to me and say, hey, man, you, you did a good job here. Or, you know, like congrats for this, you know, paper or whatever. They just came and say, okay, another job, another thing to do. Do it, do it, do it. I just said, man, enough. You don't even say like thankful. You're not thankful for things I've done. So I'm I'm just leaving. And I remember the girl from the company said, no, you cannot live like this. You know, you have to wait one week so we can prepare all your documents before you leave. I said, you can put fire on all my documents. I don't need them anymore. You know, you just burn it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is how I did it. And I just moved it. I said, now tomorrow I'm a full-time artist. And so now that you quit your job, how did you start making money being an artist? Yeah, well, like what, what I did, like what I had in mind is because my blog and because I knew people into the art scene, I also knew some people like from like brands. So what I did was something that I didn't tell you. My video game into my, like my video game was the Photoshop. I used, of course, play Counter-Strike and all these games, but 
my real game was Photoshop. So I used to play with my friends' photos, you know, like trying to put them into like different characters or whatever. So I knew that I had these skills with Photoshop and I had my skills, of my painting skills. So I used to go to that brand's uh some stores here in brazil and say look i'm an artist uh don't you want me to create something for a company you know or some kind of whatever you need like some walls don't you want to paint some walls and i had like the first yes two days before i left my job i went to this uh store who uh, which used to, to sell like some clothes and you know like good brands and I just said, look, I'm an artist, you know, I'm trying to live by my art. And do you need any kind of work, you know, like to paint a wall or I have some like canvas we can put here. And they said, oh, yeah, we are planning to paint a wall. Uh, how much is it? I said, man, I, I, I really I don't have any idea. <laughs> and the guy said, OK, so we help each other. I tell you my budget and you say if it's good for you or not said man it's done even before the guy said the, the price and the value i said it's done man let's do it and the price they paid me was maybe 50 percent of my my work salary so i said yeah we started very well i said man i'm rich you know if i paint a wall for, for like for every three days i had a wall for to painting with this price but of course this is not the real uh, word but i had a good starting and i always say that Art always was saving me, you know, because with that money, I could wait a little more. Uh, I could save more money to, you know, like improve my skills and survive for a little more like months. So, yeah, I have this kind of um, space, you know. And so when you left, were you nervous? Because that's a really, I mean, you said it was a big company. Like that's a really stable job, a stable income. Were you nervous at all or had you saved up money? And also, what did your parents think of that? <laughs> you leaving and your friends? Yeah, like I, I wasn't worried. Uh, if, you, if you're asking me like now, today, even me, I would think, man, that was very crazy. I don't know if I, I would do that now. But back in the days, you know, like I, I, I didn't have this feeling with me. I just left, you know, and said, man, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Like, it's going to work. Of course, I have my parents who really supported me. I was worried about my dad, you know, because my dad recommended this kind of job or this. And I just came to them and said, look, that's not for me. You know, I've done this like for two years without any kind of, you know, like, uh, like I wasn't feeling well, uh, but I wasn't showing them. So I, I just told them, I've tried to do my best, but that's not for me and I'm going to move, you know? And I was worried about that. But at the same time, they said, okay, we are with you, you know? Like if you want to do that, just do it. So I have the full support of my mom, my dad, even my brother to say, man, just go for it, you know? And since that day, I just woke up and said, now I'm an artist. Let's see what can I do with my skills and where, where I'm going to go, you know? So, yeah, I have the full support of my family. During this time in Brazil, street art wasn't really respected as much as it was in other countries. So, Revolue's cousin told him he could come live with him and some other artist in London. He jumped at the chance. I was in Brazil 
And I said, I, if I want to do that, I want to do that for like for real and seriously. I'm going to move to some places that street art are, are more like, I don't know, more common or people are more like getting used to it more than here in Brazil. So I moved to London. For me at the time, 2008, London was the, you know, like the place to be as an artist. So I moved there because I had a cousin who was living there. He's a photographer and he just said, man, I'm living here in a warehouse with 30 more artists and you are welcome to come. I said, okay, man, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I moved to London with this, uh, 30 more friends in the same house living for one year and it was the best experience I had in life because I could be like, uh, close to like real artists, uh, 24 seven, you know? Once he got there to stay in London, he had to take up some school. So he took a course in, believe it or not, filmmaking. And so what made you t- sign up for these filmmaking courses? Yes, I went to study uh, because I had these visa things, you know, and I had to have some kind of uh, any kind of course or something for my visa. I decided to work uh, to study um, filmmaking. Um, at the time, I, I, I thought that uh, if I studied filmmaking, I would get um, art direction, not just about filming, but I would get art direction and also digital skills that I knew that in the future would be helpful. What's so interesting is it was during this film course that he, he returned all the way back to his past of discovering street art. and He started following other artists around again, just filming them. For the course, I had to create some like um, videos and documentaries so I could work uh, walk with local artists in London. So I could know like their studios, their habits, how they create. So all this information was kind of, I was also adding to my personality, you know. Again, not because I want to copy that, but I say, oh, this guy do this, you know, like this guy works only in the morning without any kind of, you know, like psychedelic things or anything, you know, it's just him and the canvas. And this is something that I took from for myself. I respect all the ways, all the creativity ways, but in my way, I prefer to be like 100% sober, like not even music, you know, I just prefer to be with myself and try to put outside what I have inside. So all these things, I could notice when I was like doing my filmmaking course and doing my like documentaries and shooting things in London, you know. When you have already finished college and started your career, it can feel like a downgrade to have to go back and start over all again with a brand new path. Revolue was lucky to have so many friends and family supporting him and his decision, but it didn't change the fact that he had to make some hard choices. When he was in London, his dad would send him some funds, but the exchange rate was definitely not in his favor. And he would also work some part-time jobs here and there to get by. And while he didn't have very much and he was barely scraping by, he was much happier than he had ever been doing the accountant job. Yes, yes, I felt I felt very, very happy because I didn't have this feeling, you know, like, oh man, I'm getting back to studies or whatever. I, I just let it go, you know. Even now, I just let it go. So at the time, it was perfect, you know. I was in London with a lot of people. I was improving my not just my art skills, but my English, 
I was improving my networking with people that I even talk, I still talking now. So I was with this feeling of, you know, like new, new life. So everything for me was new and it was fun, was happy. And again, I'm, I'm always trying to see things in a positive way. So uh, sometimes, of, of course, it was difficult. You're feeling like the homesick. You're feeling you miss your friends. You miss your lifestyle, you know. Um, while I was like in London, having this life in a very basic way, all my friends here in Brazil was like going out, you know, like going to night, having his nightlife, going to clubs. But I was very happy because I was having something else, which was experience. And for real, this is very, very powerful. It's better than anything. I always tell people, keep things in the experience because that's, it doesn't have value, but it's so valuable. And even to this day, he, he keeps that same mindset and he doesn't seek out material things, but instead focuses on experiences and seeking out new friends and projects that bring him joy. So while he was in London, he had to go back home to Brazil for the holidays. We're not going to get into the whole ordeal because it's kind of confusing, but the short is they wouldn't let him back in the UK. Something with his passport and all this stuff couldn't get back and he had to leave all the stuff. Luckily, some friends would bring it back to Brazil later on, but he was stuck in Brazil, unable to finish his film course back in London. But he took this moment and viewed it as a calling to stay in Brazil. I think it was a message for me like to say at the time, you know, stay here and do your things here because you have to be here. So this is the thing that I, 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 have, I have learned, you know, with that situation. Once back home, he would figure out a way that he could still be creative while getting the bills paid and focusing on his own art career. Let me see. I was showing galleries, but at the same time, I created kind of uh, uh, agents, uh, art agents. So I had these um, agents to create. I was like a kind of art direction, art director. So I started to work with kind of brands and things for like advertisement. And I was doing this art direction. So I had my life painting and trying to show galleries and having my art agents working for like an advertisement company and doing this art direction for uh, brands, uh, movies and everything. So I had these like two jobs, two jobs doing like uh, with creations, you know. At this time, he was running into a lot of closed doors in Brazil while trying to get his original artworks shown in galleries. He felt like he needed to know what the reason was, why his art wasn't appealing to these people, and if he had any potential at all to make it in the art world. So he devised a plan. The plan was to simply take some rolled up paintings under his arm, fly all the way to Miami to Art Basel, and ask galleries what they thought. And I couldn't uh, have more galleries, a lot of galleries saying no to me here in Brazil, uh, even not just Sao Paulo, but all Brazil. And I said, man, you know what? I'm going to get my money. I'm going to get all my works, my portfolio, and I'm going to present them in an art fair because then I can have galleries from all the world and I'm going to see if I'm an artist or not. You know, I, I just want some kind of answers, you know, like, look, you're not an artist, you know, like just go do something else because you're not an artist. I think this is the best thing that artists can uh, question themselves. Why people would have 
my work into their walls. You know, what they gonna feel when they see that. In my case, I want people to feel happy. I want people to feel like inspired to have like a good day, to change like the mood. So I want to change people's mood. So that's why all my works are very like full of informations and mediums. So these kind of questions that I have now, uh, actually the, the, the kind of answer, answers that I have now, well, questions that I had before. Let's remember when most galleries go to these fairs, they're not really interested in getting to see new art submissions. They're more interested in making sales. But miraculously, it worked out for Revolue. I met a gallery, a Korean gallery, that didn't have my style, you know. But I said, look, I'm already here. You know, they're, they're doing nothing on the booth. So I'm going to talk to them. So I just came and said, oh, I'm an artist from Brazil. I'm looking for galleries. Uh, would you have any time to talk to me or maybe to give some advice or something that could help me? And they just came and said, oh, yeah, have a seat. Let's talk. With this gallery, it ended up uh, they having three of my works, uh, presenting them into the gallery at the time uh, in Korea. So I had a good answer, which was some gallery in the Art Basel wanted one of my works. So this was the best answer that I could have at the time. And just like that, he started showing with them, and other galleries soon followed. Next thing you know, Revolue had his paintings in galleries all across the globe and was pretty much putting them anywhere possible because at the time, he wasn't too picky. And he honestly didn't even care about the sales of the paintings. He just wanted to get them in front of people that might enjoy them and get some joy out of seeing the works. One thing that I was very, it was very clear in my mind was, I wanted my work everywhere. So if someone asks you to have my work, I'm going to send them. I think that is a very difficult point for artists. They say, for example, in the beginning, Let's say the truth. You are nothing into the art world, right? You are nobody. So they want to, because the artists, they think they are good. They think they are, you know, someone into the art world, but they are not at the time. So why do I am going to, I'm going to ask, oh, you have to pay for the shipping things or, you know, you have to pay in advance. Man, they're not going to do that. So it was part of my investment, send the work to them. You know, without any cost for them. So once they asked me, oh, I want to present two, two, three of your, your works in Netherlands or in Korea. Can you send me? I always say, yes, I can send to you. So I send as an investment and always thinking, man, it's going to work. It's going to work. It's going to work. And then it worked. You know, I didn't want to keep my works in my room in waiting for people to get here and pay for all the costs. It's not going to happen. Never. The hustle of trying to get his work into as many corners of the world as he could paid off, and soon Revolu could leave behind his job doing client work and focus on just his personal paintings. I think it was in 2015, you know, because I was selling to people from uh, around the world, and I had this gallery in Amsterdam at the time who was uh, having me into this affordable art fair. So I was making good money compared with the, 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 the my lifestyle and also the currency uh, of my money compared to uh, dollar. So I could have a good life here and I didn't have to sell much works. So if I sell like three, four works at a time, 
uh, I could live like one or two months here in Brazil in a good way. So this was a good move, uh, of course, intentionally for me to sell works outside Brazil and have these sales that could support me to have my life here, you know, was very helpful. Then in 2017, me and him would finally meet. But let's hear his side of the story first. Uh, John Paul came to my profile and messaged me and said, uh, hey, man, I want to buy one of your works. And when I saw his profile, I said, oh, man, this is very good, you know, like artists. And I, we just start talking. I said, oh, man, thanks. Now, you know, like, I appreciate that because you look like very, very good artist. I don't know if it's you who painted these works, but, you know, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's me. You know, I, I'm improving my skills. You know, I want to paint uh, bigger things. And, you know, I like your work. You, our style looks like the same or similar. So I sent to him uh, the work he wanted at the time. And then he presents me CB. And during the, that time, uh, we had a group in uh, on WhatsApp group. And we start talking like we used to talk like every day, you know, about art and how we can create something together and all these things. The John Paul he is referring to is a Costa Rican artist named John Paul Favez, who I had been chatting with over Instagram around 2016. And it was during one of these chats that he invited me to his solo exhibition in NYC. But the only issue was I lived in Georgia. But luckily, I have great parents who always believed in me. And as a graduation gift for high school, decided that they were going to help me get to New York so I could go to this exhibition and meet John. So that's what we did. Okay, so back to his side of the story. Yeah, and I, I think he told me at the time, oh, this guy, you know, he came to the show, he want to meet me, and he asked me a lot of good questions into, like, art scene and art world. So, uh, yeah, looks like he's really uh, trying to push, like, hard for, like, his living or his project. So that's why I messaged you, to trying to talk and promote my work, because... I knew from John that you were like someone uh, into the arts uh, scene, but in the different uh, side, which was like talking about art, showing, and was for real. That's why your name is My Art is Real, because so many fake profiles and so many fake people. And I think John came to us and said, look, this guy is real for real. <laughs> so that's why I talked to you at the time. I still remember that day when Revolut messaged me on Instagram because I was sitting in math class <laughs> posting art on my page and I saw his message. But where that message would take us just a few months later, I had no idea. Soon I graduated high school and started trying to work on curating my first art exhibition, but I had no idea where to start. So what I did was I started sharing works of galleries in hopes that maybe they would let me guest curate a show down the road. Around this time, I got to talking with Revolu, and we came up with this concept for an art show, one that would be a joint effort between him, John Paul Favez, and fellow artist C.B. Hoyo. And once we figured out that concept, it was in my job to find a space. The first and only person I reached out to about the exhibition was Ben Krauss at Krauss Gallery in New York City, and I was blown away when he emailed me back almost right away with a date for the exhibition. So... Just like that, it was on, and we all had to get to work on making sure that these artworks made it to the gallery on time. Yeah, and I still think about that first show today. Like, yeah, man, that it was awesome. 
man, me too, man. I, I always talk about like uh, when you when you are in New York, the things change. You know, you know about it. So when you invited me, we are because me, John, and CB, we were already planning something. You know, uh, oh, let's do a show together. You know, let's create a name. Let's create a band, an art band, or whatever. A lot of crazy ideas, but. In the end, we just wanted to show something uh, from us to the audience in America. And then came you, you know, like that's why I say the universe, they really know what to do. And we have to trust on the universe for real 100% because the universe start make, you know, connections first with me and John and then you and John and then me and you. All this connection was by the universe, you know. And when you look it back, we say, man, it, everything worked perfect because so at the time was the perfect time to do that and was a life changing for me. And I think you remember that because I, I, when I went to New York, was another big move for me. I was already starting, I started to talk with the, this gallery from Europe, which was La Pamplona, La Is, that you already know. So I was doing this big move in Europe. And also this movie in America. And being in New York was a very huge move. So I had to invest myself to be there. And I was there to 15 days, you know. And again, the currency is good when you sell works and live in Brazil. But when you want to go to America, it's very expensive. So it was kind of, you know, I was like, I made it like an owing. So I'm going for it. And I remember that I had money to go, but I didn't have money to get back. Let's say like this, you know, like, of course I could get back, but I'm saying I wouldn't have money, you know, like to, you know, like live the way I live at the time. So I remember when I woke up in the, the, in the during the, the opening day with bands and your message and saying, look, we sold three of your works. We already sold three of your, your works. So at the time I said, man, we are doing something here. He's right. I mean, at this time, everything seemed to just fit together like a puzzle and work out the best way it could. And and for me and him both, it was a huge deal to show in New York City because no matter how much the internet has changed the way we consume art, it's still definitely a milestone to showcase your work in the Big Apple. Looking back, it's, it was really crazy to reflect on that time because just like Revolu, I was super on the fence with this exhibition and knew that once it was over, I wasn't going to have any money unless we made sales. But luckily, through the support of Ben, everything worked out for the best. So, man, like, how do you feel now? How do you feel in 2023? How do you feel in general about your art career and, and going forward? I just feel grateful, you know, for real. I, I feel like there is uh, everything I could do to be here. I'm pretty sure that I did. Like for real, people who are close to me or people who knows me, I do anything I could or I have in my, you know, way to do it, uh, to get done, I do it. So everything I can do for having my work in a good way, you know, with all the respect that I, I consider that I have to have to create a piece of work, uh, I have it. So I just, I'm just grateful because I know that is not easy, but it's same as all the, the works, jobs, people have it. Uh, the difference is that we need to push ourselves and also be confident because no one will like know what is inside you. 
So I'm grateful to have the creation, you know, to every day that I wake up, have this creation on my mind, on my body, and I want to put outside. While I'm doing this, I'll be painting, you know. we I need this. I need this from the universe. This is the thing I always, I'm grateful when I wake up and I say, thanks for one day more being an artist, being creativity, uh, being creator, being everything that I can use my imagination or my skills to put outside to people see it. So it's just about like being grateful. It took many years and a lot of trial and error for Revolu to become the artist he is today. His story is a constant reminder to me of the power of always believing in yourself no matter what life throws at you. I want to thank Revolu for sharing his story, but also thank Ben at Krauss Gallery for giving us both that first exhibition. It was truly a once-in-a-lifetime event. And, hey, I'm not forgetting to thank you, the listener, for making it to the end of another episode of the Myers Real Podcast. I appreciate every single one of you. Without you, I couldn't continue to do this. It means the world to me that people care about these stories that I'm trying to tell. Thank you for listening, and you will hear me in the next episode.